0: Great moments are born from great opportunity. You shouldn't have any doubt in your mind about what you're supposed to do tonight and about how you're supposed to do it.
1: This is your time.
2: Now, I don't want
1: them to gain another yard. We gotta go out
2: there and we gotta take it.
1: take their game and you shove it right back in their face. That's how winning is done team is something you belong to, something you feel, something you have to earn. If we don't come together, it's over. And I guarantee a week won't go by in your life. You won't regret walking out, letting them get the best of them. I'll ask you one last time to be the best that you can be. Play like champions. Win. It's about heart. It's about who can go out there and play the hardest. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. I don't care what the scoreboard says. At the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners.
0: In any fight, it's the guy who's willing to die, willing to
1: take the hits, who's going to win that itch. Let me tell you something. You don't let anything, nothing, come between us. On this team, we fight. We shut them down, because we can't. It's a ball! What a ball! Yeah. Sensational! Curry, way down to... Bags, Bags. Oh, what a shot from Curry! I don't believe it! I see it, but I don't believe it!
0: Ben Simmons.
2: Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I don't know about you, but I'm here in Laurel. I'm I'm here in Yanni. I can't believe it. I'm here in Yanni. Welcome back to the Lunchtime Catch-Up Podcast, where this week we've gone from the depths of despair to the positive, positive, positive podcast. Um, This week we've got a hell of a lot to talk about, and an incredible guest in uh, Mr. Chip Legrand. With me, as always, is Scotty.
0: Hello, everyone. And look, I first want to mention... (laughs) Three or four days ago, we put out, obviously, our statement podcast. And what I got was quite a few concerned people about my welfare. Can I just say, we kind of laughed a little bit. He's fine. (laughs) I was obviously very, very serious on that podcast. And I was telling Grant just before, how do I actually sound serious? I want to sound like I'm serious because I am. Yep. But I just want to sound serious, and obviously that sounding serious has sounded more like I'm <laughs> in the depths of despair. Of despair, yeah. But I wasn't, and um, I'm pretty jovial kind of guy. So uh, I just wanted to make sure everyone he's okay. Yes. So um, look, really, really huge week for the club. So we've got. So many things have happened. We've obviously got Mark Neal, which we'll talk about. Yep. Um, I really like Cramery's interview last night. Um, Scotty Gumbledon actually had a little bit of a quote. He won a uh, an amateur grand final competition and, and talked about the pressure of, of of the saga and everything like that. So i really, really excited the, um, that he has had some success. I know it's minor, but just for anything, um, to put a smile on their face, yeah. I love it. Yep. I thought we could go through the team changes which have just come through, so let's ramp that up. So we've got In Clark, Ridley, Guelphie, Langford, woohoo, Day, <laughs> Hurley, Parish, Much, Myers, and McNeese. Um, you probably you I must admit I don't mind that. I know people are gonna be a little bit Confused on much because it's probably an interesting message to him after two games. I, I look I'm a little bit 50-50 on the fence with that one. Um, I think much has got quite a bit to learn uh, on his game. Um, I think they probably were concerned about his pressuring and the fact that even in, in the last quarter, or quite a, he actually didn't have a possession or really anything effective in the last quarter. Uh, so. There's probably some times they were thinking to bring him back into the VFL just to get a whole lot of touches and work on his game a bit more. He's had a a
2: sample now. He's had a sample of what the AFL looks like. We know a little bit more about him. He knows a bit more about the AFL. And that's fine. Go back, get a heap more possessions, and we'll look to you in the future. But look,
0: it's still quite an exciting team named. Uh, I I really like uh, Ridley in the side. Really great ball. You're a, You're a, massive, a fan, yeah, of Ridley. I, I really am. Uh, I think he's really classy footballer. Uh, I think he's. Oh, he's obviously still a little bit undersized, but so is Dustin Fletcher. Yeah, but a few more pre-seasons, this kid's going to be really special. I think so. His,
2: his foot skills coming out of the back line is going to be very handy.
0: Oh, haven't we been craving for someone yeah. to? kick the ball fifty metres to a you yeah. know to a, to a target. To, to be so. frank, at the moment we're we're looking for people to hit twenty metre targets. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which would be great. So look a lot's happened. Let's discuss the Mark Neal situation. Look, it is quite of Before a bit... we
2: before we do that, dude, let's talk oh. about our guest.
0: Oh yeah, by the way. Dude. Have we got a guest? Have we so, got a guest? This guest came about really for Mike Fitzpatrick's I'll just say bizarre Oh, on I'm, the couch interview. Scott
2: is a nice guy. He uses the word b- bizarre. I would call it totally
0: idiotic and without any substance. That's yeah, fair enough. Um, so, and, and it seems to me this week, we've just had this little saga revival in messages. And yeah. we've had the Cramery interview Stupid. and Fitzpatrick's messaging. And even last week with Bomber, uh, heard he talking about Bomber. We had the 93 reunion where you know, some guys didn't turn up and I, I kind of can't help feel like that's a little bit related. Uh-huh. So there's just a lot happened in the last week and we approached Chip LeGrand. Chip LeGrand uh, has been great. There's no doubt of all the uh, journalists covering this saga. That was pretty casual, the way you just in, just introduced Chip LeGrand there, by the way. Oh, that bad. was pretty casual. Well, we've had some great sort of private chats. So um, <clears throat> I was lucky enough to even go to his... Launch which invited me. So uh, I'm so grateful that I, was, I kind of got a little bit of a surprise when he said, Yeah, sure, I'll come on. So I was like, Oh, great, thanks. Oh, he's probably listened a couple of times. So, Likes oh, yeah. what he hears. You can't help the uh, the popularity. Exactly, right. which is, it's just, it's in the We're, we're yeah. global, we're trending. So. I'm so glad because they're the kind of ones where you you if you want to ask some questions, that's the person you want to ask the question to outside of Hurdy and Dank. I d I don't know that there's a more <laughs> yeah uh
2: educated man on the subject or researched man on the subject than Chip Legrand.
0: Exactly. And the thing with uh Chip Legrand is every time he, he had an article, even when it was kind of negative towards us and or had a look at a bit more empty feel, you actually took it so serious because he had so much integrity in his writing and research. You go, oh god, that must be true. You know, so really rapt to have him on. Um, I've got some interesting questions lined up for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that will go. I don't know. He'll. Oh. I don't know. He'll laugh at us at our questions. Yeah, he but, might very well. <laughs> it's it's very interesting because. Yeah. He's probably never done kind of a more fan podcast for yeah. him on the saga. Yeah, he's obviously talked to SEN and talked to major yeah. outlets where they've got agendas. But we've this is an Essendon, you yeah, know, this is two Essendon and fans who yep. want to talk about a little bit about the saga and Mike Fitzpatrick's comments and, and, and things like that. I so. can
2: assure everybody, Scotty's not just going to be asking Chip, uh, so how many pages are in your book, or tell us a little about yourself, or anything like that. I'm looking at the questions that he's going to ask Chip, and they're really insightful, Scotty. I can assure you guys is very well educated on this saga as well. Um, just to the point of, of really delving into a lot of the, um, a lot of the facts that weren't put on the front page of the Herald Sun with Dirty, great syringes and that sort of stuff. So, um, I think that the, the questions we're going to ask Chip, we're sincerely hoping, um, surprise him a little bit and make him think uh, that we've uh, we've done some research and we want to be asking some intelligent questions of the man because yeah. um, to get him on this podcast is a, is a big coup and we're we're really stoked to have him on. So we want to we want to ask him some intelligent questions and hopefully give you guys. Um, a bit of an insight into the whole saga thing not that we want to drag it up but a bit of an insight into the saga that you might not have had from from somewhere else
0: exactly so let's talk about the week that just unfolded big week yeah it's funny because we obviously had our podcast and here's me pretty... Sounding down, sound. in the,
2: down in the dumps.
0: is <laughs> me really putting a challenge to the club to fix, hey, fix the issue. Whatever you got to do, fix it. And we have like 24 <laughs> hours later, Hello. we have an assistant coach uh, and one of our major assistant coaches um, leaving the club. Well, <laughs> look, I know they're kind of talking about the resigning part, but I guess the cynic in me just says this... Dan Richardson's had an overview of the coaching club, the messaging in between the coaches and the players, and is deemed that there's a little bit of a blockage, and and that person or that blockage, I guess, in some ways has been removed. What is what is evident clear that there's a lot of respect for Mark Neal. Yeah, that's, that through the coach, through even some of the players. I know Devon Smith had some um, knows him quite well previous to coming to Essendon. So it is not like a, a slamming kneel kind of approach. No. I, we, we kind of generally wish him all the best. I know he's doing an NBA and looking to go in sports administration. Generally wish him all the best. I just still think this was the right thing for the club, this first initial move, because I think we need to get some clear lines of communication, which we've been talking about for weeks. I think as far as the game plan and the messaging to the players and our structures and our tactics... Against opposition teams, I'm hoping that we get some more clarity to the players to help perform with more confidence and set out to get closer to more wins and have greater outputs.
2: Man, yeah, I, I 100% agree. I think people were a bit shocked when um, when Nieldy left. Um, I think everybody that says that um, that and I know the club has to say that it was a mutual decision, and that's fine. But I think from listening to the radio and that sort of stuff. Um, Eddie McGuire surprisingly made a good point when he said, "Nobody leaves at round number eight of their own volition when you're an assistant coach, really." So no. I think I think that the club did what the club had to do. They've yeah. they've been. I mean, what was his his role? It was the game day strategy or something along those lines, right? So yeah. he had strategy in his title, and we clearly looked like we didn't have any, like no strategy whatsoever.
0: So yeah. as, it's, as, it's still like even even today. I heard Wascher talking about his title. It's still a bit vague the way they talk about his title and what his role was. It's yeah. still, it still kind of feels to me like his role is still a little bit vague to me. A little, a little bit of hands in all places yep. kind of role. And um, I, I don't,
2: I don't think that he's a scapegoat. I don't think that. No, not um, at all. No, I don't think he's a scapegoat. I think Essendon players, us, I'm sorry, players, Essendon supporters, um, us, including, were were baying for blood. Scotty's last mm. words of his podcast. Um, before he jumped off a bridge. No, just kidding. Um, the last words of your podcast um, last week were "fix it." Now, yeah. apart from grabbing all the players and just suddenly making them good again, um, you, you've got to you've got to look at the coaching staff. You've got to look at the game day staff. You have got to look at everybody, and I, I don't know. Mildy leaving is gonna make the media. Um, uh, they're gonna get their story, but I think it had to happen because yeah. there was. You can't just all of a sudden grab these players and say play better, play better, play better, play better, and then just sit there with the same coaching staff. So
0: and you look, not to sound bad, but you couldn't help notice the energy in the Essendon group when Clark and Ridley got announced as dead chance. Yeah. You couldn't help notice. You go, oh, that's different. Like they were over the top celebrating um, the two guys um, debuting this week, and boy do they deserve to be debuted this yeah. week uh, so it did feel like even even Heppel made just a couple of tweets today just had a different vibe just a, a bit more excited about their footy so I'm hoping they've had some good you know, on the sort of back of that they've had some really good open chats at the club this week, had a bit of more honesty towards each other mm. through these actions and we'll see what happens. Look, let's be honest. You know, no Dan ha, no Hurley and all these guys yeah. No, well, this week. I'm, I'm not going into this game uh, like with some sort of naive confidence. That's yeah. just, I'm sorry, that's just no. the way. We're, and we're I'm optimi- way I'm, a, I'm optimistic kind of guy. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, if I'm a tipster, I, I'd go, well, Geelong's heavy favourites. That's, yeah. that's just something. I it's just how do we play? How do we set up? Um, how do we pressure the ball? Ball handler, so they're just the little things I'm going to look out for. Um, obviously, you're going to have an eye on 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 Guelphie and Clark and Redley and those kind of guys, so just to see how their progress is. And I've definitely got an eye out on the on the VFL with Francis. I think just some of those plays in the VFL oh, outside of fitness. Like if he's if he's fit, me. he's probably playing this week. That's he's He was showing me that two years ago footage that I was seeing of Aaron Francis and going, oh, this kid's going to be special. So I have this little glee. Sort of in my eye, just I'm just yeah, going. Oh, yeah. D- yeah. don't tease Mate, me! Don't if tease you reckon me. you do,
2: can you imagine washer and the and the coaching yeah, yeah. staff looking at him going, oh, 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 "Oh, please continue to be
0: good.
1: Please <laughs> yes, exactly. continue to be good." So but, 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 look, I'm, he's
0: happy, and that's fantastic. And I think that's showing in his form and and how he's he's how he's attacking the ball. So it, it, in all seriousness, his welfare and his happiness is is paramount, and couldn't be more happier for the kid. And let's hope in two or three weeks, I still think. He probably needs a couple of weeks of just more match fitness. That's my personal opinion. But it would be fantastic in a couple of weeks if we actually heard the name Aaron Francis included into the side. And I'll be there standing up and cheering him because he's gone through a lot. If yeah. you're talking about his loss of his brother and, and just battling with a, a few, I guess, hardships in, in his own mind. Yep. So the kid has gone through a lot at a very young age. So I just can't wish enough for success for him. Uh, so that's kind of covering Neil. Later on, we had um, Stuart Cramery, or Cramery, however you like to say it. Totally surprised me. Yeah, on, on Fox footy, getting quite emotional uh, about the saga. And it, boy, is it a reminder. Mm. And this is 2018 in May. Is it a reminder of um, just what these guys went through? And. <sighs> I wish I could say some more stuff because I I do know a few things but I think no one can ever underestimate at some of these points in in sort of fourteen and fifteen how bad things were.
2: And I look a hundred percent agree. Scotty Scotty and I, like I said, we've known each other for forever and have been best friends forever. And there's not really much that we don't tell each other, but there are stuff there's stuff that Scotty knows that um, he's been told completely in confidence and he's absolutely keeping that in confidence even from someone like me, right? And what he's told me is that it was bad. It was really bad. There were there were, there were players that it really seriously affected. And when I'd, I just I flicked over and saw the interview, I didn't know. I didn't hear any sort of news about him um, getting really emotional and tearing up. And you could just tell that it was very organic for him. That he he just was talking about it all of a sudden, and then you can see the body language change. The eyes drop, yeah. his head drops, and he can just see him thinking about having to, having to tell his wife and his mum and and all this stuff that that he's going to be okay, and that that it's just a huge reminder of of what these kids and they are kids, what these kids have gone through um, yeah. over the period of time.
0: And it's look, it's a, a reminder again that. And these are my thoughts, not representative of anyone. It's a reminder to me that that Stephen Dank should never have been at our club, no. and that's just me being. He honest. shouldn't be at any club. I I think I think Crameri has his who he is angry at, and but and who he's forgiven in in the right spot. Yep. As far as what what went down, so all the best, Stewie. Uh, look really encourage. Really, sort of grateful for your honesty. It's just something that's even interesting in itself. That sure, Cramer reminds me that still, not one of those almost 40 players, no one actually took a deal. Yeah, uh, and it just reminds me, even years later, no one took a deal, they all stuck fat. Yep, and they genuinely have a passion and a belief that they didn't either were tricked one. or yeah. they just didn't take. Illegal That's right. supplements. Yep. That's the two scenarios they have. Either, yeah, we will never know or either if we were tricked or we generally tricked, or we just simply don't believe we the, took anything exactly illegal. Right. Yeah. The information um, that we have says and no. Their conviction is their conviction is so overwhelming that you how can you not think that? Like you can see it in Cramry's face. How much it hurt and it just, yeah, I'm getting like... It just angers me. It's no, just... I know. But like, like you say, man, I, this this is the positive podcast. We, we, already, yeah, we had a... to... Is... <laughs> anyway, Dylan Clark. Yeah, you
2: know? no, seriously, that's, what I, that's the exact <laughs> words I was going to say. Dylan Clark. Seriously, man. Like, no. how old is the kid? He's what, 19 or something like that? Um, yes.
0: 19? And Dylan Clark is a fantastic story. Uh, Darren Buick mentioned when we drafted him that he'll believe he'll play 200 games for the Essendon Football Club. I went down to see him... Train his first training session and went. Oh no, he will not be playing 200 games for the Aston <laughs> S- Football Club. Yeah. And people who who have seen that knows what I'm talking about. He couldn't kick like he like yeah. he had. If he's the uh, the Ben Simmons of kicking into shooting, yeah. Uh, so he literally couldn't kick a ball. Uh, so. How much he's grown in that area yeah. is just amazing. I watching the, the VfL and say, Okay, those twenty, thirty meter kicks are hitting targets now and that's a huge difference. Yep. Because what he does have is, is clearances, under tackles and Seaball, ball, get ball. Oh. Yeah, so his strengths are so overwhelmingly good strengths. Yeah. That if he's kicking at nineteen just keeps him improving, yeah. Then We've seriously got to play it. Like, and herein lies, the, herein lies the thing for me is that why has it taken this long to get a kid like that into the side? I think just simply because of the kicking factor. And I, I actually yeah. think that's worthwhile. Like, I, I don't mind that because I don't want people to get games where you're just instantly going to come in and turn over the ball. And that's, no, I'm, t- I'm being very honest. Last year, that's what would have happened. And even the first couple of games this year, he was a little bit turnover prone. And so guess, so that's probably fine. thinking that's In the fine.
2: first eight rounds that like the first, the first round. Yeah. Great. The second round we start losing and we, we've lost five of the last, whatever it is. And we I, I bet you is still thinking, no, 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 this is going to turn around. No, 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 this is going to turn around. Yeah. We've got the midfield to be able to do this. We shouldn't have to bring in Dylan Clark. We've got enough kids on the, uh, on the players on the field to be able to turn this bad form around. But now the club has, I bet you if we got hold of Xavier again and said to him, mate, what 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 are you doing differently? What what happened at the club to make these decisions? And I bet you he'd say something simple along the lines of, okay, eight rounds, we're, eight rounds is enough. Yep. We've we're going to listen. Not we're not listening to the public. We're not listening to the um to the papers or anything. But we're looking at each other, going, all right, that's it. Um, clearly there's a there's an issue in our with our current midfield. So what do you do? You look at the kids coming through. And yep. you don't just play the kids and just say that the season's out. But you've got a kid who's a um, who's a contested ball machine, and you've got um, a, a half back that is silky with his left boot out of um, out of the back line. Yeah, let's bring him in. I mean, yeah. we, we would rather have brought them in towards the end of the season or up against brisbane or something like that where they've had a nicer would it might have had a nicer time of it but unfortunately our current form means that dylan clark has to line up opposite joel, <laughs> joel Samuels, Samuels, with yeah. gary ablett in danger right <laughs> so bad luck welcome to the afl right. but they've they've made they've made changes so i i tell you what I've, if all of the, the supporters out there that, that went ape and and said get rid of everybody drop everybody do everything Guys, the club has responded.
0: Yeah, yeah. We have... Look, and it was very interesting. That that four-minute video that Xavier sent out to the members, which I actually thought was quite good, uh, he left in no doubt that we should be playing VFL Kids. anyone who watched it, it was quite interesting to actually hear the CEO almost say, and I think we should play Kids. Yeah. I mean, I felt after that, I said, well... Whether Woosher likes it or not. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> You're doing <laughs> You've you pretty he'd much be, got the captain and the CEO the saying to the coach, hey, play kids. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so... Now, your favourite. What is my favourite?
2: Favourite player. VFL player.
0: Oh, favourite VFL player that we have? Yeah. It would have been Jordan Ridley before that. Well, Francis. That's what
2: I'm saying. Jordan yeah. Ridley. The man's getting a game. Tell me about Jordan Ridley.
0: Well... Uh, what what we kind of mentioned a little bit before, how good a kick he is. Uh, good overhead mark. Really, he loves his uh, t- taking in his overhead yep. marks. Uh, he's kind of like can play quite flexible. So even if you have a, a medium size, like if Menzel played, mm. it's not out of the realms of possibility that Ridley could play on Menzel. Because okay. I've seen that in the VFL where he actually lines up with the smaller medium forwards. And he's got that mobility to actually hang with them. Yep. So he's got a few tricks up his sleeve. He is sometimes going to get outmarked just simply because of muscle. He's, yeah, and Tom I think Hulk's people just have there. to understand that that that's, the, that's just the next development area for him. Yep. But he's going to do a lot of things right. Whether it's the first week because of nerves, I'm going to give him a pass. But when his nerves come down, what you're going to see is one of the most beautiful kicks yeah. <laughs> in our side. Because that's his strength. He's yeah. got a technique on his kicking that... Oh, I wish every uh, a, Essendon a, player A had. lot of
2: the Essendon players should be looking at just at the minute. Left
0: and right too. So. Oh, left and right. Yeah, I so he's a very, very skillful player.
2: And and like this thing, him like Clark, unfortunately, the Essendon footy club's in a situation at the moment where we can't strategically b- bring in these players. We've got to bring yeah Ridley against Radigalia and,
0: and Hawkins and all these guys. But for these two guys, I'll just implore the coach, three weeks... Dude, six. I say four, five, six, whatever. But the way we are, I'll say three is yeah. in a bargain. Like, don't no no one who's debuted this week should be out of the side next week. Just hundred and ten. Just keep agree. playing to the buy all
2: the week after that. Absolutely, yeah. and and we also see in the in the selection that um,
0: uh, Langford gets yeah. another game and about damn time too. I was a bit concerned. If Langford wasn't picked this game, yeah. I thought, oh, he's just going to... He's seriously yeah, out of favour. He'll, he'll talk to another club. Yeah. And that's just me being honest. But he's picked. I hope he takes his chance. Uh, he's been playing so well in the VFL. like He's hes in the top two every week. So yep. he has a huge impact in the VFL. And you feel like somewhere it's got to translate to seniors. Hmm. Uh, I think he gets very nervous when he gets his... Call-ups Because he's, he knows He's only got one or two weeks And that's the thing
2: And he, He's I think probably
0: nervous Because he's yeah, I think He that, could get 21 possessions Or 18 possessions Or something he gets dropped yeah. With a VFL He knows he's just Going to play VFL That's exactly right So um, man punches out 30 Yeah So let's Let's vocalise to him Hey Kyle You've got six weeks Mate Oh man I'd love that Give him I think you'll see A much better player When he's more relaxed And know he's assured That he's playing Yeah So uh Oh, look, I really like the Inns. I like the I like I, I think Guelphies a great oh, mate. Guelphie had some hey. really good pressure acts. Like I really yeah. liked his. I like the little one percenters that he tells the club that they should be doing.
2: Hey, so. by the way, just on a completely alternate note, mm. have we now got some of the best looking kids in the club in the age? Oh,
0: with uh, Guelphie. we've got, got
2: uh, Dylan Clark. Yeah, yeah. He's a rooster, and Langford's a rooster. And mate, we got we got some good looking Iceman. We've got in there with the Guelph. <laughs> yes, mate. We'll tell you what it's. Uh, we're not only we getting some good midfielders, we're getting yeah. some good looking roosters in there and all, and then we got good old Matty Day who d day d day d. d. He, Look, he's a solid player. He's a solid yeah. player. Yeah. yeah. Do you reckon we should give him more time as well? Like, it is depend- he-
0: Look, it depends who's available, isn't it? Like, but, if you have Hooker and Hurley and these guys and Gleason available, then
2: well, but this is yeah. the thing. I mean, if you oh with are Gleeson now, yeah, I suppose, but I mean, if 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 Bagley's getting games and. He's not performing particularly well at the moment, Bags. Um then they chuck in McNeese. I was a little bit
0: surprised he's playing this week, but he, he did he does as far as pressure and, he, and and effort, he's in the top five always. Yeah. But I'm just not sure sometimes now that that his speed is 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 hurting a little bit, but yeah. but you know, and neither here or there.
2: And the other question I wanted to ask you, the the one that Brendan Goddard has been avoiding for this entire week. Zero tackles in no, the last two games. Do you oh, think look, he, that's a he did.
0: He did talk about it a little bit. Look, I'm not as concerned though. I think he should be trying to get some more tackles. I this is my personal feeling. I've, especially when he's teeing off on everybody else. Yeah, exactly. He, he's got to get a little bit more effort. But yeah. if you're, he explained it, and that makes sense to me. He's basically saying. If the coach tells me to play loose in defense, then I actually don't have a man. So a lot of the time is the ball is separate from me. Yeah. So I actually don't have the ability to tackle like a midfielder does. But he did play a, a, probably a quarter in the midfield and still didn't get a tackle. So there's a little bit of here and there. I think he understands. He did say, look, I understand. I've got to get better at that. Yep. But I think he also tried to explain the the position that Wush has also put him in where he might not be around packs or anything, but
2: I, I think he's, he's much <laughs> he's, more he's, dangerous yeah. loose. I, I don't mind if he's not a, a shutdown forward or a shutdown backman mm-hmm. keeping the ball down there. He's I'm a fan of Brendan Goddard for the, for the, some of the points that you've pointed out on the, on the podcast throughout the year is that yeah. he's one of the only blokes in the back line who tries
0: to hit an attacking target out of the back line. It's funny though. If I'm honest, I feel like he's just gone away a little bit from that the last one or two weeks. But as a side they have, yeah, where they've gone a little bit more sideways, their confidence, like everyone's confidence is down. He's down, yeah. So even, if, so even that was a plus for me in the first three or four weeks. I can see in his own confidence him not taking the game on like he used to because he, he used to like going down the corridor and, and doing a real high yeah. attacking. attacking kick. Yeah. But now he's not. He's... he's he, I mean, the captain and everyone's doing it. Yeah, it's um, so weird. But I tell you, the most critical part to us getting back in form is Zach Merritt. Zach oh. Merritt, Zach Merritt is the most important person we've got to get into form. And whether it's whether it's blocking his tag or whatever, whatever tactics we have to do, we have to try and get that person into form. Even if he plays, and this sounds going to sound really funny. Even if he plays a high small forward like a Fantasia role, and he did for for a yeah. while last week, and just to get. To just break the tag a bit and just get more into the game, yep. try different things, have Fantasia in the middle the who they're not going to tag, yeah, and, and just try different things to different systems. And
2: I don't know that Geelong has a hard tagger, do they? Like, they don't, I don't well, I've the never s- heard of them. Scott tag.
0: Selwood was their tagger, and he's, he's the guy okay, out. He's out, so so I don't really know if they're going to have. I reckon they'll be back in their own midfield. I think so. Yeah. I, I think if they're looking at us, they're probably going to go, Well, yeah, I think our midfield can just take them on, and we still would have lit danger. So. I don't think they're going to tag, but they're, they're, hey, they easily could. They, easily could oh, well, it's worked they might say, well, we'll it's worked win today. by a bigger margin if we shout out Zach. Yeah, exactly. So, right.
2: so. But no, I 100% agree. I want to see Zach involved with his hands on the ball. Like, I don't mind if he plays a high half forward or a, or a forward pocket or wherever he ends up playing. Just get his hands on the ball because good things happen when he gets his hands on the ball.
0: Yeah. So, look, I think it's time we have a weekly sponsor break. Yes. So, uh, we've got a new sponsor this week. Got Do I tell you we to a new sponsor? I'm looking forward to hearing what new it is. New sponsor this as week. As always. So uh, here's a word from our sponsor.
2: Are you finding it hard to find open space? Is the ball just not going your way? Then come on down to Dylan Clark's Clearance Centre. We've got in and under clearances, outside clearances, left foot, right foot, inside 50s. And for a limited time, with every 10 clearances, we'll throw in two. Not one, but two tackles. Come join us this Saturday at 2pm at our pop-up centre square store at the MCG. Just follow the umpires of the middle of the ground to take advantage of our
0: clearance and tackle blowouts. Dylan Clark's Clearances. It's about time. And we thank Dylan Clark's Clearances for being our new sponsor this week. Uh, I wasn't expecting that one, but... Uh, no, he's a, he's a great guy, Dylan, and um, they're, uh,
2: we've got a, a really good new sponsor in him.
0: But... Hey, everyone's here for the interview with Chip Legrand, so we'll start it off now. And it's our great pleasure to have Chip Legrand on the line. Chip, how are you?
1: I'm well, guys. How's it going?
0: Very, very good. Uh, Look, we really appreciate you uh, coming onto the podcast. Uh, I think uh, we speak for a lot of um, probably Essendon fans that we've really appreciated, I guess, the integrity, the research and... Uh, and honesty through your articles and your books. So look, I just wanted to sort of start with that kind of uh a sentence and statement. Um how much we've uh, appreciated the way you've you've reported on our club the last four or five years and on the obviously on the AFL and Asada.
1: Well look, that's um that's good of you. It's been uh, it's been quite a story.
0: Exactly. And and it's a, it's a always a ever rolling beast. Uh that's that's raised its head again. <laughs> so Look, we just we obviously get a lot of questions here and, and I must admit, we started this podcast over a year ago. We haven't really brought the saga up as yet and we just felt like we're just getting a little bit too many questions with a few events that have happened in the last week. So we just wanted you to have you online and just to ask a few things of just, I guess, last minute clarity <laughs> in some ways. Um, so look, I'll start with the obvious elephant in the room with Mike Fitzpatrick's comments on, on Fox Footy. And he obviously was talking about Essendon. He felt Essendon likely took performance-enhancing supplements. And he, he mentioned his, even an observation of a player coming to him and saying that Essendon looked like they had five pre-seasons. Uh, I just thought, did you watch that? And what were you thinking at the time?
1: Look, I, I did see it. And it wasn't so much that he, he mentioned in passing and had the conversation with a, an opposition player about their you know, their, their observations about Essendon. It's more that he cited as his evidence for thinking or believing that, that Essendon were... that they cheated, that they took performance-enhancing drugs in that 2012 season. He cited a conversation with an opposition player where the player made a, an offhand remark about the fact that it felt like Essendon had done five pre-seasons where they played them early in that 2012 season. And so this is the AFL chairman... Basing his assertion that Essendon had cheated on this offhand comment by an opposition player, and so that the, I mean, the extraordinary thing about this isn't so much that Mike Fitzpatrick might think that Essendon took performance-enhancing drugs. I mean, after all, that's what the um, Court of Arbitration for Sport found. They they found that um, that all 34 of the Essendon players had, had taken a. And banned substance and, and and the reason they are banned is because they're considered it's considered performance enhancing uh by the the world anti-doping authority so that's um thomas and beta four yeah but that in itself isn't isn't a shock but it, it's more that if you if you think about his tenure as the afl chairman i think that in so during his time you had a a joint AFL Asada investigation into what went on at Essendon, and as AFL chairman, he would have received both the interim and final reports of that investigation, and been and been privy to other briefings about what the investigation found. He would have had access to the transcripts of the uh, the hearing, the full hearing of the case that was before the AFL tribunal. Yep. He would have had access to the transcripts of the 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 full hearing before the Court of Arbitration for Sport. So. There's this mountain of material from which Mike Fitzpatrick could have drawn a, a fact-based conclusion about what happened at Essen, but instead um, he defers to what some opposition player said, you know, in 2012, which frankly is, is, um, just seems a bit, it's, it's strange and is also quite ludicrous for, for that to have happened.
0: Uh, I, look, I, I completely, <laughs> I completely agree. Um, can I ask also, too, just while we're at it, you, you wrote a really touching article on, on Bomber Thompson uh, the previous week. When you are writing your book, how much access did you have to Bomber, and, and how did you sort of sum up his relationships with Heard Corcoran, uh, and even with the Eston Football Club in your journey through the saga?
1: So my relationship with, with Mark... Look, it's I. I was a, uh, I worked sort of uh, full time as a football reporter for about ten years, and and during that time, particularly when Mark was coaching at Geelong, he was one of the guys that was always up for a chat. It was great, particularly when he was living in um, Melbourne. You you knew on the main training days at Geelong, the times when he'd be commuting down there, and you always knew when you call him, and you'd catch him on the on the road, and he was happy to talk about all sorts of stuff and just sort of chew the fat about football. Which is a as a football reporter, that's that's invaluable to have coaches who are just kind of happy to. To talk about the game and um, and so established a bit of a relationship with, with mark then, and then through the through the the drug scandal um, spoke regularly uh, with Mark, and then in the writing of the book uh, that was that was based on a couple of with mark but one where I you know, spent a couple of hours over at his house in in port melbourne um, and um and talked about everything that had that had happened and yeah. look, at that stage. You know one of the one of the tensions that came up in this in this scandal was that uh, after the dust had settled a bit, there was there was a there was a tension between james Heard and, and Mark Thompson, because I think both felt that the other was kind of shifting blame a bit. yeah, so so th- there was a feeling from um Mark Thompson. That, that James Hurd had been the one that had pushed hardest for the establishment of the program, and um, um, and had, had given the most encouragement uh, to Stephen Dank, but there was a there was a feeling from James Hurd that really it was it was Mark Thompson who gave um, the reference for Dean Robinson and who and whose support for for Robinson uh, brought him into the club, and of course then it was Robinson. Who introduced Stephen Dank um, to Essendon? Yeah, uh, and, the, and that it was really this—if you like the kind of the, the arrogance within that football department—that allowed um, or sort of provided it the environment where things span out of control. That that was really set by by Mark and um, and by Robinson. And even by Brenna McCarthy. So, look, that's so that's the view from Heard at that time. We're talking about sort of a point in time here. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Th- there was quite. A, so it's been, you know, my understanding is those two guys hadn't really spoken for a long time, and that's why it was significant that that when when um, Mark was charged with um, uh, with drug trafficking and other serious drug offences, that James Heard reached out to him and went round and and saw him because I think that's the first time they'd they'd spoken for quite a while.
0: Yeah, and I would suggest even her experience, I guess, in hospital was probably has has him in a different mindset these days than probably previous to that, <laughs> with it when they had a bit of angst.
1: Look, look, it may be. I mean, I think obviously, you know, when you go through that kind of period, you anyone reflects, you know, they reflect on the things that are important to them, and obviously, friendships are are really important. And I think more recently, you know, James has spoken about. His relationship with Mark, particularly as his first captain, um, yeah, at Essendon. So yeah, look, there, there is a, there is a long history. There's no doubt it had a, it had some pretty rough um, rough periods. Yeah, yeah. sure.
2: My one question I've got is: Do, do you think that the Baker McKenzie story, um, given it was the story that essentially put TB four in the spotlight, was the catalyst for the AFL and Orisada in narrowing down the narrative to sort of strengthen it post the AO, the whole AOD physy thing?
1: No, because that was there anyway. I mean, I think uh, from memory, and I was testing it a little bit, but I think Nick um, did that telephone interview with Stephen Dank in, it was about April in, in 2013. And then it was really only um, after August when they handed in the, um, the, the interim report that that things started focusing more strongly on the question of uh, a thymus and beta four, and I think I think the key the key witness to that was uh, was Nima Alavi. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. after after everything that happened at AFL House when when um, Hurd was suspended and and the club was kicked out of the finals and stripped of its draft picks and and all the rest of it. Um, there was a, a um a series of interviews conducted between the insider investigators and Anima Lavi, the pharmacist in Turak, who who had dealings with Stephen Dank. And it was off the basis of that of those interviews that they that they really started to build the case about um about and Beta Four.
0: Okay. Was there ever just this off the top of my head? Um, excuse me, if you I haven't read haven't read your book for <laughs> for a year now. So I've, if it's in the book, I'm very very sorry because I have read it. But it, there's obviously a lot of complex data around around the whole saga. But that was the case where we got credited for the invoice. Um, how did that I guess play out? Because I guess a lot of fans kind of felt like, well, if if the club got a credit for a, a shipment that obviously didn't arrive, um, I'm just wondering. Just that's just off the top of my head. What are your your thoughts around yeah, that? Yeah,
1: so that was that was for so that was one of the early shipments. There was and it was of it's testing me now, but I, if I remember <laughs> right, it was for hexarelin.
0: I think you're right. Yeah,
1: I think there was. A, I think there which is a hexarelin, which is a for people who don't remember, it's a it's a um, a growth hormone um, inducing or stimulating um, peptide, uh, and it's banned and um, there was a so there was a batch of peptides. I think maybe one was thymosin. You got, I believe one was one, thymosin. One was, yeah. was hexarelin, and they were both. And um, and and so the and, the and so the thymosin, the thymosin peptides. This is the one to do with the the story as uh, Nima Alavi tells it, and sort of you get a variance from how Stephen Dank tells it. But basically that. This idea that they they made up this batch of of thymosin. Nimroliavi says he doesn't really know what it was because there was no identifying material that came with it, other than this kind of handwritten label that it was thymosin. That Dank picked it up from his pharmacy, and that's the last he saw of it. Dank says that he that, that, that they were because they were they were um, mixed in in um, in see through vials that they were damaged by the sun. Yeah. And that he chucked them out, and that they never made their way to Essendon, and and so there was a there was a mix up there where, at Nemo Levy's pharmacy, the girl who does the books um, assumed that it was because of Stephen Dankthing thing that it must have gone to Essendon, but then that got sorted out eventually, and they they realised that no, those peptides had never been ordered by Essendon, and and indeed Essendon says they were they certainly were never delivered at the club.
2: Yeah, yeah. mate. Um, sort of a more of a generalised question now. Why do you think a player or sort of an official hasn't properly come out and given his total account of the saga and and what he or she believed to have happened in greater detail? Someone like Heard Evans, Dank, especially Dank um, Robinson, Hamilton, Asada, etc. I guess it just seems to be that the the investigation went on behind the closed doors with Asada and the AFL and the like. The penalties were handled down, and that's the end of it. There just seems to be so much more behind the scenes that nobody's saying anything. No one's come out and done a big exposé or anything. Why do you reckon that is?
1: Well, I, I mean, I think part of it is because I mean, all the people you list, with the exception of Stephen Dank, i will put him aside because he's a separate case. But all the people you list, they had, they had, you know, a. They were all looking at this, at this scandal through a fairly narrow window window. They had their perspective and yeah. they had seen certain things, but they didn't they didn't know the overall picture. I mean, no one really did. No one except for Stephen Dank. And because Stephen Dank is so inherently unreliable, both in how he works and also how he you know, his recollection of things, I mean he's um he's very untrustworthy. He's a he's a he's a liar. So he he isn't a very helpful witness so it doesn't really matter what he says it doesn't it doesn't really help us to a large extent because we just can't trust what he says yeah and everyone else they they, they have little bits of it but no one really knows all of it and if you and the reason i say that is because through through writing the book i was able to access all the interviews that those that the that the individuals you have mentioned that they all provided <clears throat> excuse me to asada so the two interviews mm. that David um, Evans did, the the interviewer that Ian Robson did, the the multiple multiple interviews that Dean Robson did. So I've, I've read all these, and I've got to say, there's no blinding insight.
0: No, uh, in I, any, I agree in any of yeah. them.
1: Yeah, and this is and this is the problem. So that that sort of whole story. I mean, in a lot of ways, look, this is why I I was sort of motivated to write the book because I just felt like, look, somehow you got to try to pull this thing together all these disparate pieces into some sort of coherent narrative. So that was that was the the, the, the at least the attempt yeah. with the book. And so I you know, I d I don't know that there's anyone else who has this whole thing in their head and who could who could stand up and swear in the Bible and say this is exactly what happened at Essendon in two thousand
2: twelve. Could I mean speaking generalizing here, could Dank do it?
1: Yes, could, could, he, not, could he, he sum D- everything
0: up just not trustworthy though well,
1: Dank no. knows D- yeah Dank knows more than, than than anyone else but um he he yeah he i mean you couldn't he wouldn't be a reliable witness okay. to this yeah and so there'd be the limit in terms of the the value of that i mean one thing that's really interesting and i and I often reflect on it is that uh, there was a there was a case before the New South Wales Supreme Court um, a couple of years back where where Devin, Stephen Dank decided to sue the Telegraph for defamation, and that was over a series of articles that were written very often the drugs very early on in the drug scandal where the Telegraph accused Dank of basically killing John Manner. The idea being, being that he'd provided um, injected Manner with yeah. substances that had that had accelerated his cancer. And, and resulted in his death. Yep. And so he sued over that, and Dank lost. But he gave evidence in the in the trial, and so he gave sworn evidence, and he talked about what happened at Cronulla, and he gave sworn evidence the fact that he supplied Cronulla players with two banned substances, with the uh, CJC one two nine five and yep. GHRP six. I can't believe these things are still in my head, but anyway, <laughs> the two, growth, yeah. you know, the growth hormone um, stimulating um, peptides. So he basically fessed to doing exactly what Asada accused him of doing Yeah. in terms of the substances. His only argument was that they weren't banned at the time, but they were. They were, yeah. Whereas he has never, ever admitted to providing um, uh, thomas and beta 4 at Essendon other than in that one instance, in that one rushed telephone interview, with um, with Nick McKenzie where where Dank said that he just muddled up his words. And as much as I don't tend to believe Dank, if you if you do read the the, the, the entirety of that interview, it actually makes sense when when Dank maintains that he's talking about um a thromomodulin just, just because of the context of the rest of the conversation. Yeah. So it, he could be he could be may may well be telling the truth <laughs> in that. Look I mean, you is know in terms of but but this whole this whole um, Because people often ask me, look, what do you think happened? Do you think the Essendon players were, were given a banned substance? And and my view is that it's certainly more likely than not that banned substances were administered at, at Essendon. I don't really buy the thymo the, the thymomodulin argument. I think that probably it was thymus and beta-4, that dank uh, was... In certainly intending to use an Essendon. But I can't tell you which players were given it. And this is where I think the, there's, there's, a, there's a, it's a grievous injustice because no one's really sure about who was given what and at what stage. And uh, I just think it's, it's, it was ridiculous for, for, the, for the court of arbitration for sport to make the leap and to think that just because Dank had a plan... To use Thymus and Beta Four at Essendon, and that he had access to the peptides through Nemo Alavi. That every single Essendon player who was charged, yeah. all thirty-four, that exactly they all must right. have gotten a shot at one point or another. I mean, yep. it just—that's uh, just incredulous. Um,
0: yeah.
1: to me.
0: Can I ask, when they with the cas, how come they decided to group all the players? Is that is that an Essendon defence failure in some ways? Uh, like all the players' defense um, failure, or is that just cast just overstretching, um, putting a whole everyone into one basket?
1: Look, it's a it's a good question because I mean the players all all had a common, um, I mean they all had a common defense, if you like. So there were certain things. There were certain things about all their cases, which was which was common, and so they ran it all as a single case. Yeah. But at the same time, all the Essendon players had individual circumstances, and so, I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it was a real failing, on the part of Kaz. I mean, it was it was Kaz that was, or rather, it was Wada that was appealing, the AFL tribunal decision. It was up to Wada. To make the case, yeah. now I think WADA should have called every single player. They all should have been questioned. Yeah, and equally, there should have been an onus on WADA to prove that that every given player had been given an an injection of, of Thymus and beta four, and they and they did do that. Um, and that's where you had this, you know, I call it the cornerstone argument. This um in in his in his finding, Michael Belloff, the 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 Cas the chairman for CAS said that because he signed a text message between Dank and Robinson in August 2011, where, where neither was even employed at the club at that time, and them talking about Thymerson being the cornerstone of their program for the next year, and they make this enormous leap from that and say that because Thymerson was the cornerstone of what, whatever they were talking about in that text message... That every, that it must have been administered to every single
2: list of Yeah, know, staggers know. Me, staggers mm. it staggers
0: me. That seriously, it staggers you. Look, can I ask? Uh, I'm not sure what you're going to think of this question, but with, with the AFL setting up the the Gold Coast Suns, and you've obviously got originally, and correct me if I'm wrong in any detail, please, but you got Robinson and, and Dank um, pretty much at the the close to the start of of I guess the launch of the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, you, so, how how would you view the hiring of them, and and then in relation to her bomber and Corcoran getting charged for lack of due diligence on hiring, <laughs> in some ways the same people. Um, it, it, do you find there's a contradiction there, or is it just a different process I'm missing?
1: No, I, I think what's what that that whole. Um... Argument about how people were hired, and you know whether or not proper HR processes should have been followed. I mean, to me, that was just that—that that, that was just a, an argument that didn't fit football clubs. That's not how football clubs operate. I mean, how do people get hired into, into senior positions in, in at football clubs? It's it's on the it's on the recommendation of of other people who either work at the club or who've worked with them. I mean, it's you know, f- football is is very much. A, it's a reputation industry, and so, I mean, the fact that you had Bomber Thompson, who'd worked with Robinson, you had um, Brendan McCarthy, who, who'd, who'd worked with um, Robinson at Geelong, yeah. And those two guys are saying he's he's our man. He's yep. what we need at this club. I mean, that's going to be enough at most clubs. Yeah. Like, so I don't, you know, I don't. I'm not particularly critical of the Gold Coast Suns for hiring him. And um, I'm not all that critical of Essendon for hiring him in those circumstances. I mean, you know, the the question is why, uh, you know, knowing what we now know, um, why why uh, bomber would have been so enthusiastic in his in his endorsement of Robinson.
2: Yeah, yeah. Now we've got. Um... Uh, we're, we're really again thankful for, for joining us on the on the podcast today Chip and I guess we've probably grabbed you for a, a fair amount of time um, we've just got one more question and I think Scotty, Scotty it's, a, it's a big question um, Scotty's uh, put a lot of uh, time and effort into this question so there's a bit of reading at the beginning of it but if you could just bear with us um, it's a question we'd really like to ask
0: yeah look it, it's just a, something that I've thought about a lot and I hope this all makes sense and there's a little bit of reading, so please bear in mind and you might have to do a bit of a memory yourself. But I want to talk about the AFL kind of master government's framework agreement and that's sort of almost like a three-way party with the AFL club and, and the player and the contract that exists. And look, there's a wording in that agreement that says, like, without limitation, the AFL club shall observe and carry out its obligations under the application Applicable Occupation Health and Safety Act or its equivalent. The parties to the contract, meaning AFL, Essendon and the player, shall use their best endeavours in relation to any matter or thing directly within their control to bring about compliance with all the provisions of this. I just want to then fast forward to one, the 2011, I think it's on the 5th of August, Herd Peptide Famous meeting. Um, and, And you've got um. Uh, the what the integrity officer I've got to remember his name, but um obviously having uh, I guess the the whole warning to heard, um I guess speech, and then you've also got uh, on the nineteenth of October two thousand eleven you've got Dr Bruce Reed phoned the AFL medical officer Dr Peter Harcourt doctor being the key word and told him that Dean Robinson had given the SM players peptides, including the peptide tribulus. These are the this is the part where even I've spoken to some families um, that we totally understand that Essendon had a breakdown of governance and and did risk the health of, of the players and we've copped our huge whack. And, and, and I'm probably coming from a little bit of a fan base here, so please understand that. Oh, we still don't understand to this day how much the AFL... Which what they've known for eight or seven or eight months prior to whacking us, I guess how much they knew in 2011 and hadn't warned any players of these risks that they had grave concerns about. How does that come about, and why haven't I guess in some ways both parties um, had a bit of an admission that that severe things broke down uh, because I, I guess from an Aston fan, totally understanding our complete. A mess that we created in some ways. There, it feels like there was a secondary mess by the actual governing body of the AFL as well.
1: So, if you if you think of so the the herd meeting or the the sort of the peptide reference, and I'll take I'll take what you're saying there. So, August two thousand and eleven. So, at that stage, so I, the certainly the Australian Crime Commission and asada are both aware of peptides as being a an emerging problem in doping yeah so uh the the australian crime commission has been sort of it's sort of kicking the tires at that stage of a some sort of examination of what's going on and this link between these these uh, new generation of performance enhancing drugs and organized crime um, and asada has also started to gather information of what's going on and they and they and they're and they're trying to and they're trying starting to find out this kind of bizarre link um, that's that later emerges which is between the um, athletes who might be cheating and kind of, you know, middle-aged executives who are trying to get a bit of pep in their step and gym junkies and that whole anti-aging milieu and slightly dodgy doctors who are, who are kind of prescribing this stuff. And, it, and, yeah. it's, and, it all, and it's all very unregulated and all very grey. But at that stage, I don't think that the AFL had any particular concerns about peptides that's why I've never believed the story as it was later reported about the peptide warning. I mean, Heard had a discussion with the, with the anti-doping official and he certainly went in and then, and then later on talked to um, uh, Brett Clovier about it along with um, uh in that meeting as well. But, this notion that somehow the AFL were already red hot on this stuff, they saw it as a big threat and they, and they, and they did their best to warn Herd and Essendon off this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I think that's a bit of a fiction um, that was created after the fact. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's a paper trail which kind of suggests that that whole evidence, if you want to call it that was, was added to the, to the file at a pretty late date. So there's, there's always been a bit of a smell about all that. Yeah. so I, I, I don't. I think that the, the AFL, you know, in some ways, like Heard himself at that point, was pretty oblivious to to the whole emergence of peptides.
0: Even even with the Bruce Reed sort of phone call, a little like a few months so later. Pros,
1: so the Reed phone call, and this is in November. So it, we skip. It's it's a little bit of time, but okay. so we're skipping from sort of August to about November. 2011, because it's really early in the pre-season. They've come back, they've done a run around the, um, the athletic club that they started their pre-season. The thing that Robinson gives them is tribulus. He's not giving them peptides. So the phone call okay. to Harcourt, as told by Bruce Reid, and I should say it's disputed, aspects of this is disputed by Peter Harcourt, but as told by Bruce Reid, it's about tribulus. Now, at that point, tribulus... It's a because you remember tribulus isn't a peptide; it's this kind of yeah. natural, you know, um, sort of bodybuilder substance, which probably yeah. doesn't work. But people have been taking it <laughs> forever and a day, and you know, it's one of those, yeah. right? A, a sort of a bodybuilding supp- supplement, and so that's what the conversation's about there.
0: And without his permission, which, I guess but, was the concern. Without from, so,
1: yeah. yeah. So that's it. So the problem, I think, the problem there is more about you've got a a, a um, uh, a high performance guy or a, or a, or a conditioning coach, which is giving in effect medication to players. Now I think that should have really rung alarm bells because at that point, the AFL was genuinely concerned. Yeah. By what was happening in sports science, and they felt that too much of what a doctor should be doing was being kind of absorbed. By people who don't have medical degrees, who aren't doctors, and who shouldn't be doing this stuff. So the sports scientists, the conditioning coaches, and these kind of guys. So I think that was where the AFL should and probably could have been stronger in terms of in terms of sitting down and perhaps then they, they you know Essendon might have had cause to really reflect yeah. on you know who it is that that it employed at the club and whether those guys should be there. But look, to be fair, I mean Essendon had ample. Opportunity. Yeah, that's um, to come to its own conclusion. Exactly. Exactly, and Mm
0: that—that's where I don't excuse that. Look, I don't want to. I I don't want to keep you any longer because we've gone a little bit over time. Um, look, thank you so much. I was actually thinking of you a little bit with the Crameri last night, and your your famous article about cremery and his mum looking over the supplements. It was it was kind of just had a little. Mandy little bit.
1: Mandy Cremery, yes, yes the, the, the former nurse.
0: Yes, <laughs> it, it just had a, a funny memory last night. But uh, look, it was, it was generally interesting to see him so emotional, and it, it obviously still has a little bit of rawness to it. But um, from he did say that he has sort of got along. He's getting along much better with, with life and, and, and past that. So, but,
1: Yeah. Oh, look, it's, you know, and, and that's... And you always, with, at the end of these conversations, of course, you always think back to the guys who, who were most affected by this, and that's the players. Exactly. And, and you think of guys like Stuart, and they were, I mean, Stuart had a ripping career ahead of him when this happened. I mean, you think of, you think of the potential that he was showing. Exactly. what he was, he was bringing, and it just you know, it hasn't happened for him and it's, it's not all about the scandal, but then a lot of it is. And there's quite a few guys that you realize that this, this whole saga has, has robbed them of, you know, precious years that you just can't, yeah. you can't replace the yeah, professional exactly sports person. Right. Mm.
0: Yeah. Look, thank you so much, Chip. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, always looking forward to your articles. I know you've totally changed tact in 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 your articles (laughs) Uh, but uh, i'm always always interested to read them uh again thank you so much for many years of of reporting on this uh investigation so well uh couldn't can't thank you enough to have a a resource that that we can go to so thanks again and uh thank you for joining the podcast well
1: thanks for having me guys thanks very much
0: And that was Chip Legrand. A oh, fantastic interview. I hope you enjoyed it. We wanted to ask, obviously, a heck of a lot more questions due to the nature of the saga. But, look, he actually went 15 minutes over time. I so, like, We can't, I can't thank that man enough. Yeah, I can't thank him enough. And, and he had, obviously, really interesting things to say. Look, we've obviously gone an hour and a five minutes. And I so it's probably our tonight. longest podcast. We'll, we'll wrap it up now. Hey, the country game is on this weekend. We've got kids playing this weekend. Dylan Clark, Ridley, Guelphie. Everyone get out to this game. Yeah, it's our home game. Support it. Support the country, guys. Uh, really cheer loud. We want a different energy. We're hopefully conveying that energy this week in and, yep. and this podcast uh, really excited to see how the boys go. Um, I can't wait to get out there and support them. Please subscribe um, to the podcast if you like it. It's the easiest way to get the podcast as soon as we upload it. Yep. Um, and if you want to write to or have any suggestions where they can email. The Lunchtime Catch-Up um, at gmail yeah last time
2: catch up at gmail that, that completely missed my mind then uh, the last time catch up at gmail.com send uh send us um any emails we're we'll getting some great emails from you guys um uh with uh, words of encouragement and a couple of the opposite um uh, <laughs> ones as well that you didn't particularly like it and yeah we'll and take any of them
0: yeah and we we do get a few little mentions about the sound look we look to be honest we try our best um we're not master technicians of audio but uh we do our best we just really want to make sure the content is good yeah uh but thanks we get so much overwhelming support and and, and good comments so we can't tell you enough how much we appreciate them we've actually now listed our podcast is listened to by 45 different countries 45 countries man. which That's is insane. a little bit insane yeah. which means there's a lot of Essendon fans around the globe absolutely um if you're one of those and you're in another country uh, go Hit us up email. Yeah, send us a tweet, send us an email. Love to hear from you. From you, I'll say that in English. Uh, but thanks again for all the support. Uh, our numbers are going through the roof in this last month. We've, we're almost up about thirty percent on our audience, which is incredible. And that's thanks it's... to you guys. Thank you very much. So thanks again, and it's good night for me. And uh, me too. See you guys.